comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. I'll let you in on uh, what I think is the meaning of this parable right at the beginning. So, So normally I make you hold off a little bit. So this time, right away in the beginning, we have a hidden treasure, we have a pearl, and the point is that the kingdom of heaven is so incredibly valuable that it's worth more than everything else in the world combined. Everything that you could gather, everything you could, you could get for your whole life, everything uh, that, you, that you find value in, that, that finding salvation in Christ, being a disciple of Christ is so valuable that none of that can even compare to what is going on. So we're right uh, kind of in the middle here of a sermon series on the parables of Jesus. And the truth is, there's so many, many great parables of Jesus that uh, this is kind of a greatest hits uh, kind of series. Uh, so as, as we go through, uh, we can't nearly look at them all, but it, it's kind of important to say, what are some of the main ones that the church uh, not this church, but you know, capital C church, the church of all time and of all places, which ones have they come to so often to learn about Christ and who Christ is and what his message was? So again, we're in Matthew 13, 44 through 46. And it's important each time to look at the background of who Jesus is talking to. Who's the, who's the original audience in the text? So here it's fairly simple. Uh, If we back up a little bit to verse 36, uh, it says, Then he, meaning Jesus, then he left the crowds and went into the house. So before this, Jesus was out. He was preaching to a large crowd, and now he has left the crowd. He has gone into a house. Uh, It's just him and his disciples. And it says, His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds weeds, uh, in the field. And then we are told uh, a whole description of Jesus explaining that parable. And then it goes immediately into Jesus continuing to talk to his disciples. And he tells them these two parables that I just read for you. The parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl. So uh, it seems in scripture that the original audience is Jesus talking to his disciples. That his closest followers have gathered. And and there's times where Jesus uses parables to kind of speak uh, about a truth uh, in a way that uh, those, how he says that those that have ears will hear, uh, those who have eyes will see, but, but if you don't have ears to hear, then you won't hear. So it, it kind of conceals some of it, but that's not really this time. Now Jesus has gathered, and he's just with his disciples, his closest followers, and they've gathered around him, and he's, he's revealing to them truth about the kingdom. And I think it's fair to say that as they've gathered, they, they have some questions on their hearts. But they've gathered and they've been following Jesus. They've left behind so much. Uh, many of them, uh, their, their businesses, they've left behind family members and they've been seeking after Jesus and following him. And somewhere deep inside them is this question of, is it all worth it? Is, is all that I've sacrificed, is this worth what I am doing? Is this worth uh, where I am? And Jesus, to answer that question, 
tells him these parables. So again, verse 44. The first one, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. In 1991, it's a true story. In 1991, there was a man who went to a flea market. And he searched around the flea market. He looked for things that that he thought were worth it. And, And after looking for a while, he found a picture frame leaning against one of the walls. And it was marked uh, with a $4 sticker. And he looked at the frame and thought, you know, that's worth at least $4 to me. And he purchased this picture frame. He brought it home, uh, left it out for a while. Uh, The time came where he was going to place one of his own pictures inside the frame. And he opened it up and he found a treasure inside. So what did he find? He opened this picture frame and he found an original copy of the Declaration of Independence. Worth easily over a million dollars in today's world. Here's how it would have happened. So this picture frame is obviously that old. And and what they did after signing the Declaration of Independence was they made copies and sent them out to the people that needed to know that this was going on, that this was signed. So it went to some of the most influential people around the colonies. But, as you would imagine, you probably didn't want to be found by the British Army with this Declaration of Independence, you know, hanging on a picture frame in your wall, in your wall right? Uh, if the army comes, uh, this, this is a bad thing to have uh, on display. So they actually, uh, some historians have looked at this, and they, they estimate, based on the quality of it, that right after receiving it, the owner probably hid it in this very picture frame. Now, they may have displayed other pictures, but just imagine this. It hung on a wall for years. Not even just years. It hung on for probably generations. Who knows How many people have had this picture frame in their house through the years? This hidden treasure. This hidden treasure on their very wall and they didn't know what was in it. Until 1991 when he buys it for $4 thinking that that it's a good investment. And he opens it up and in this first edition copy of the Declaration of Independence is found. In the ancient world, uh, in the audience that Jesus is talking, this kind of thing actually happened a decent amount. So imagine, if you will, that, that you're a farmer uh, and you're living in Israel and uh, you have some things of value. Where, where would you keep them? Now, there's not really modern banking, so you don't have like a, a bank account anywhere. You would, generally would keep them very close to your person. So if it's enough money you could carry around, maybe, maybe you would just carry it with you all day because that's the safest place. You don't want to leave it somewhere. But if it's too big, maybe, maybe it's larger items, maybe, maybe it's enough money that you can't just have, uh, you would have it probably in a chest and you would hide it somewhere inside your house. Now the problem becomes is, is when an army is approaching, imagine this, an army's coming and, and as they're coming, they're, they're coming to probably take your capital, but, but they're going through the farm fields first and they're taking all the crops and they're taking all the goods and, and they're going to take anything of any value. So what do you do? You can't just leave this chest hidden in your house because, of course, they're going to search your house. So you do what comes natural. You go into the farm field. You find that you know, nice large oak over there. You, you walk, I don't know, 25 steps south. You dig a hole where only you know where it is. You bury your treasure, and you cover it up. Now, what, what happened 
often is, is, as you can imagine, this farmer doesn't necessarily live through this battle. Right? So if the farmer passes away in the battle, so does the knowledge of where the treasure is hidden. Many, many generations can go and they, they farm this field and they still don't know that, that there's a treasure there. They don't know that, that the, the value of the farm field is nothing compared to the value of what is hidden deep within the earth. Again, generations, sometimes the land is sold over and over again. And, and Jesus says, imagine that a man is walking through a farm field and he stumbles across this treasure. Now, now, why is Jesus emphasizing this? It's the supreme worth of what he finds. He sells everything he has immediately. He says, in his joy, he didn't begrudgingly sell it. Oh, fine, I guess I'll do this. In his joy, he sells everything he has. And, and he buys this field, knowing that the value of the field is nothing compared to the value of the treasure that is within now, keep in mind that as we look at this, that, that all throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has been telling these parables, and, and there's been religious leaders that have gathered, and the, and the crowds have gathered, and many of them have been blind to what Jesus has been talking about. There's been a treasure right there in front of them, and they are blind to the presence of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says, At that time... At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Just earlier, right here in Matthew 13, verses 13 through 15, Jesus says, and this is why I speak to them in parables. Speaking of the crowds, he says, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. So again, Jesus speaking to his closest disciples tells them about how the, the kingdom of heaven has this value that is so far beyond what they could imagine. No sacrifice is too great to live in God's will. No sacrifice is too great to be a disciple of Jesus, to seek after him. And then, then we are told that he immediately goes on to this next parable, verse 45. It says, again, meaning that it's similar to the last. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So again, this parable is very similar to the first one, but there's a few key differences. The first difference is that the man that, that stumbles across the treasure in the field is not looking for it. He's going through the field and he comes across this treasure. And, and of course, he sells everything and he buys it and in his, in his joy. Here, we find a merchant. This merchant has gone out seeking fine pearls. He has gone out looking for them. He's qualified to know what, what pearls have value and which ones don't. And if you can imagine in the ancient world, there's not synthetic pearls. 
Uh, sorry to break that to you, if that's news. There's not synthetic pearls yet. So these are all real, these are all natural, these are all incredibly valuable. So not only does he find a pearl, he finds a pearl of great value. So valuable indeed that he sells everything he has. All the pearls he's currently carrying, all the money he's, he's brought, he sells everything to buy this one pearl, knowing in his own expertise what a good deal he's getting. Knowing in his own expertise how amazing this pearl is, that it's worth everything he has ever had, everything he has ever gathered. So Jesus wants his disciples to understand that there is nothing in the world more valuable than the kingdom of God, that there's nothing in the world more valuable than forgiveness of sins, that there's nothing in the world more valuable than salvation. There's nothing that can even compare. I mean, as he found it, he sold everything in joy. He didn't didn't drag it all along and, oh, I guess I'm finally getting a decent deal here. (laughs) You know, he sold it all in his joy, and, and he buys it, and he loves it. Some people have had some weird interpretations of these passages. Um, some people have pointed out that it seems a little unethical of the man to come across a treasure and, and kind of take it from the owner without them knowing. The point is not the, the ethics of the man. The point is the value of the treasure. Right? That's how parables work. So the point is the value of the treasure. Jesus is not saying come across something valuable and kind of swindle it away from someone else. That would probably be a poor interpretation. Uh, the point of the second one, of the pearls, is not that you can buy your way into heaven. Of course, you cannot. The point is of the value of what they are looking at. So what does this mean for us today? I think it's interesting because I remember a time even in my own life, and, and I went to a Christian college, and how the Christian college kind of works is there was a large state university that was nearby, and I remember many classmates that the Christian college was a fairly uh, kind of isolated environment, but the state college is where uh, my classmates went to go party, right? So the parties didn't necessarily happen on campus, but, but they would kind of leave the Christian campus and they'd, they'd go party at the state college. And uh, there, there was a group of us, we would kind of stay behind, and, and, and it was always just kind of this debate, like, is this worth it? You know, we're, we're trying to live God-honoring lives, but that looks like a lot of fun. And it doesn't even look like they're, like, getting bad consequences to what they're doing. You know, it looks like, looks like they're having fun, they're, they're going out, and, and uh, they're enjoying themselves. And I think, you know, that, that's just not true in college, right? As, as we live uh, our life alongside Christ, sometimes we see other people, and we're like, they're doing things that, that are just clearly so ungodly but yet it doesn't seem like they're getting a consequence to it yet. And, and there, it's just, uh, it can be disheartening. It can make us ask the same things as the disciples. Is this worth it? Is what I'm doing worth it? Is following after Christ? Is trying to, trying to live within God's will? Is this all worth it? Because that looks entertaining, or that looks fun, or that, and I don't even see the bad side yet. The bad side will come. We can trust that it will, but, we, but we're not seeing it yet, and it's, and it's hard. Sometimes those who are unethical seem to get ahead. And those who uh, follow after God and seek after God seem to suffer. And, and what do we do with this uh, as believers? I think we need to uh, 
uh, kind of start to live our lives more like we have blinders on. You know, generally that's, that's said as like a bad thing. That if somebody's wearing blinders, think of like a horse uh, with blinders on, it means their, their eyes have to focus only ahead. And if we say somebody has blinders on, it means they're kind of not being aware of what's going on around them. They're kind of ignoring it. But I think it's only bad depending on what you're focused on. So I think there can be some truth here. I think there can be some goodness here. So in a horse, if you want the horse to not get spooked, often the rider will put blinders on it. Uh, horses naturally are prey animals. And over time, the horses who have been spooked the easiest, and, and they, get, they get scared and they run and they have lived. Right? This is not a very complicated uh, concept. So the ones that run are the ones that live. The ones that were brave as prey animals didn't last that long. So over time, they have become more and more spooked. And, and we don't like that when we're riding on them. So we want the, we want the blinders for them to focus because we're going to only take them in safe places. Now, as Christians, I think sometimes we're looking all around and we're getting spooked. And we're not focusing ahead on the gospel. We're not focusing ahead on who God is. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, this is, this is a hard time in our world. Just ignore it. That's, that's not what the blinders mean. It means, what are you focusing on? Because as you look around, if you're constantly coming back to God's goodness, if you're constantly coming back to God's, God's faithfulness, who God is, uh, why does this matter? Because then as you look around, you're looking at it through that filter. If you look around, look around without that, then you're going to get spooked. And you're going to run. We need to fix our eyes on the treasure that is in front of us. We need to fix our eyes on God's goodness. We need to fix our eyes on God's grace, on his forgiveness, on his love, on his faithfulness. We need to fix our eyes uh, that you are his child and that he cares for you. We need to fix our eyes on this treasure that is so valuable that nothing else compares. Nothing else can even try to compare to what is in front of you. And as you do, that will guide your steps forward. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he finds one of great value, he went away and sold everything and bought it.